Hello and welcome to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. All hail Naylor. Oh my gosh. Josh Naylor from the life of we can't score runs, home runs. What are those? I don't even remember. I see these on highlights sometimes. What? How do we get those? That looks fun where you run around the bases and the ball goes way out of the park. But Josh Naylor, this weekend, in his Canadian way, said enough is enough. And he had a wonderful weekend. And then we're going to obviously lead off with the Guardians, but it's hard not to get excited about Josh Naylor and what he did. Hitting three home runs, all in the eighth inning, all to go ahead in the games. Winning two out of three, almost sweeping which we'll get to in a second with Emmanuel Classe. But what an incredible, incredible weekend. And what a great time for Josh Naylor. And we needed him. He has not been the same Josh Naylor as we had last year. He is definitely, as most of the Guardians have on the hitting side of the ball, have gone off to very slow starts. But Josh Naylor came through today huge. And not only just huge as in, he hit home runs, and you felt like he got hot. He lifted the team, and this team needed a lift. After Friday night, and he hit a home run Friday night to give him the lead, I saw for the first time a team like the Guardians really start to unravel. And why I say that is that is the first time I can remember as a fan I saw Terry Francona start to lose his steam after Classe blew the save on Friday. Terry Francona looked really frustrated. He was angry, and as he should be. It was a ridiculous amount of losses. They were mounting. This team wasn't figuring things out. This was not going well. And they kept losing in ways that were just mystifying, and they can break your spirit. And they were starting to break the spirit of the Guardians. They really were. They were starting to get to that point where you were just saying, is this the season's going to be? It Maybe this isn't our time. Um, maybe this isn't what it should be. But you know what? Josh Naylor said enough. Someone from the Guardians needed to lift this team. All hail Josh Naylor. And don't forget it. Because on Friday... After losing the way they did, Josh Naylor hitting the home run. Looks like they were going to win the game. Up one. And Class A blows it in line to a good Angels team. The Angels are good. Very good team. All that to be said, they could have really, you know, shoulders could have been slumped. And, and then the very next game on Saturday, Every play the Angels made was a winning play, and the Guardians kept having plays that looked like failures that were going to break their spirit. Rosario tagging up to go to second and third, getting tagged out at third as Quan was scoring, but Quan didn't score ahead of the tag. That's a, I mean, you don't see that very much in baseball. That's a bad play. Rosario dropping the fly ball just outside the infield. Many different times where the Angels were just a step ahead of the Guardians. On Saturday, I was actually about ready to prepare myself. I'm like, well, maybe the spirit's broken. 
2022 is finally over. We all knew that, but it looks like it ended on Friday night because they're starting to unravel, and Tito was not showing good nonverbal. He was getting very frustrated on Saturday night. And then on Saturday night in the eighth inning, after Straw got out, Stephen Kwan, base it. Rosario, base it. Ramirez, base it. Bell, base it. And then finally, Josh Naylor to end it, to get him ahead 7-6. Andres Jimenez, two batters later, finishes it off at 8-6. And Stefan has a wild ninth inning because the Class A pitched the night before, but they get out of it. That home run on Saturday is something to earmark for the rest of the year. That could be the point where we look back at some point this year and say, that's when it changed, that game right there. And by the way, Josh Naylor's done this before. Josh Naylor did this in the White Sox game and the South Side last year, around this time, ironically. Josh Naylor knows how to lift a club. For people who don't, sometimes I think Guardians fans, and maybe I don't too, we don't appreciate him enough. Josh Naylor's had multiple big hits, multiple team-lifting moments. You can never put enough value on that. To see him doing it against the White Sox like he did last year in the Miracle on the South Side, beating the Twins the way he did last year with that home run and headbutting Tito Francona. Multiple times this guy has lifted the club, and this time he did it three in consecutive days, three consecutive days. Josh Naylor came in the game and said, right on my back, I'm going to take this team to victory. He does not get talked about enough in this town. He does not get talked about enough on this show that I do and around other shows around the country that talk about Gardeners baseball. He needs to start getting talked about more. Josh Naylor is on. I mean, you can't even put a value on it. It's so high after that game. Can't put a value on it. For that home run that he hit on Saturday, it just explodes. Down 6-2, win 8-6. Stefan closes it out. Season changes on a dime. And good for Josh Naylor. Would have been easy to forgotten about what happened and just have a deflatedness about the very next day. Not Naylor. Josh Naylor wanted to win. Josh Naylor said, come on my back. I am not, not disheartened about the loss we had. Josh Naylor lifted the team, lifted the Guardians, lifted Terry Francona. Francona was a beaten man on Friday. Beaten man. He rarely gets unraveled. But they had a camera on him in the right moment, and he was not happy after Class A blew out saving. And I don't blame him. Who would be? That's the win we were waiting for. That's the spinning victory. They didn't get it. He got on Saturday and Sunday, though. It feels like the Guardians finally found some groove and got a big energy boost. And I'm glad they did it against a team like the Angels where they're a good team that have good, have very good offense. Boy, the Angels are talented. They really look like they have turned around from what I saw from last year. This is a, If they stay healthy, the Angels are going to be very dangerous. Very, very good team. Very good team. 
And for the Guardians to come back like that on Saturday, after what happened on Friday, Friday was such a devastating loss. Again, I was starting to go through of like, we got to really talk about, are they going to ever get back to where they were? Because maybe this is just not what I thought it was. To win like they did on Saturday. Saved, I think, maybe the season. I know that sounds extreme, but it was getting that dire. 6-2, funerals coming out. Undertaker's there. I mean, ready to put casket into ground. But they were saved. And then we get into Sunday, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, by the way, to everybody out there. Hope you're having a great Mother's Day. Mothers are so important to us in our lives. But that game today finishes off everything, everything that we had done on Saturday. And this starts with Tanner Bybee. Tanner Bybee was huge today. Another lift from another Guardian. A youthful lift, by the way. But Tanner Bybee's becoming a stud very quickly. Right now, if they had an October baseball, October baseball, it would be Bieber 1, McKenzie 2, and I might argue Bybee 3. That start today, he had a two-hitter, one-run game in seven and two-thirds. That was lifting the team, carrying them on their back. Most of the game was one nothing throughout. And Bybee just was getting outs. And it wasn't through great defenses because Tanner Bybee was dealing. He was getting outs. The Angels that had been so hot this entire series really got stopped by Tanner Bybee. Amazing. Finally, someone slowed down this L.A. offense. And it was, and the L.A. is, again, explosive. Very, very, very explosive. That Tanner Bybee lifted the team. We got a lift from Tanner Bybee. Think about that. A rookie. A rookie wasn't even thought about. Tanner who? Tanner Bookby? Who's that? Bobby? That is what, and that's how special this was today from Tanner Bybee. And then guess who hits the game-winning home run again? Josh Naylor. 4-1, three-run shot. No doubter. As soon as it left the bat, that ball, it's great. When you watch enough baseball TV, there's a certain angle where you just see it and you're like, that's gone. That's where Naylor's ball was. It was so high. The cameraman barely got the ball on the camera. In, in, uh, just on the frame, just barely. But they got it. And Naylor got all of it. I mean, all of it. Just a fantastic home run. And then Classe got a little nerve-wracking. But they got the win. And we're going to talk about Classe in a second. Because it needs to be talked about. And the bullpen needs to be talked about a little bit. There's some concerns on this team. But that's the next segment. But I want to finish on how important Josh Naylor is. I did a whole thing on him last year, and I'm going to do it right now again. He is that special. He is that talented. 
He is the player that doesn't get talked about enough in Cleveland or for us Guardians fans. He is that good. Josh Naylor almost swept the Angels by himself, but got two huge, huge victories and will never be forgotten for a long, long time. And for, again, for Fran to start getting unraveled, as he did on Friday, tells you how desperate it was getting. It was getting desperate. It was getting that low. And then Tyner Bybee, a guy, again, you'd say a week ago, who? Tanner what? Who? Tanner what? What? What's name? Huh? Tanner Bybee. That was a special two out of three against L.A. Saved the season. Thank you, Josh Naylor. Thank you. What a wonderful Mother's Day from Josh Naylor. My gosh. Guys, that's special. When we come back, more Guardians. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Do you like instantaneous highlights as soon as the game is over? You come on to at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. At official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. I'm there every night. As soon as the last pitch happens, as soon as the final out is called, I am there talking about what I saw from the night before. And if you love good coverage, if you like thoughtful coverage, check out BelieveInTheLand.com. It's part of the Believe in the Land media company. We do web. We do podcasting. We do radio shows like this. We also do instantaneous takes on social media. We also have a YouTube page on Believe in the Land. Check it out. It is called Believe in the Land. This is the Believe in the Land show, and I am Andy Billman. Happy Mother's Day again. Didn't We don't give our mothers enough love, so I just want to make sure to shout that out. We love all of our mothers out there, and happy Mother's Day. I certainly love my mom, Jane Billman, very, very much. Happy Mother's Day to her. Back to what we saw, though, this weekend, and something that really stuck out to me is the Emmanuel Class A situation. The Class A situation being that he's not as good as he was the year before. I mean, we dangled. He blew Friday night's game. How bad was it? I mean, Tito Francona got visibly upset. He does not. That does not happen. Tito's not a guy to get visibly upset. He was shook. And then today, it wasn't easy. Klasse had a really, really hard time, really hard time getting out. But he did. And he got him. I just think we got to start really talking about who Emmanuel Klasse is right now. And I think what we need to realize is last year he was perfect. How perfect was he? He was an all-star closing out the all-star game because he was that elite. He was nasty. He was suffocating. That's why the Guardians did so well. He was a huge part of it. Huge part of it. Sometimes we don't talk about him enough either. This year, he's just not, he's still good. He's just not elite. And maybe that's what we have right now. Because on we've seen some shaky moments throughout the year, but boy, it got accelerated on Friday. And we saw it again on Sunday. I mean, that was razor thin. If J-Ram doesn't make that play where Shea Otani gets tagged out, I think we're talking about maybe another tire loss, God forbid. That's how tight it was. The J-Ram play tagging out Otani 
settled that inning down. You could feel it. I mean, it settled it down. That was a big play by J-Ram. Saved the game in a way. That's how important it was. That moment kind of, whoo, got Otani out, kept the inning controlled. Finally needed that. And kudos to J-Ram. It was very heads up. Anyways, I just think Classe um, needs to be talked about more. Because I think there is some reasoning to why to why he's not as good as he was last year. You know, last year, his velocity was harder. Last year, his pinpoint accuracy was, was I mean, his pinpoint accuracy last year was beautiful. He would throw hard. He would throw it in spots where the batters just couldn't catch up. He threw it. It was like a dart. It was like a, man, he just put it in spots where you could tell the batter's like, I have no chance here. No chance. And that's what how bad it was. I mean, that's how good he was. Bad as in, like, nasty. So, you know, four things about Classe. One, his velocity's down. It is. Now, he got up to 100 a couple times this weekend. That's good to see. But it's not consistent like it was last year. Maybe he's just revving up. Or I don't know. And like I said, number two is his pinpoint accuracy just isn't as good as it was last year. He, won, he Last year, he was near perfect. It's just not the same right now. It is just not the same. So, you know, those kind of things need to be thought about too. Maybe we don't have the same elite closer like we did the year before. Well, we don't. We don't. Hopefully he does get back there. Maybe he does. It's still May. But those two things, you know, most closers don't do what he did last year. And I think we kind of took it for granted as fans. That was more of an anomaly and more than a regular. We know that. Joe Borowski, oh my gosh. It was like, close my eyes and hopefully it'll work out. And Bob Wickman, oh my gosh. Talk about pacing. I would pace and pace. Even Cody Allen, who's very good, he always seemed to have men on. So I just think, you know, Class A right now is going through it. He's trying to figure it out. He's trying to find it from last year. But even if he doesn't, you know, that's not abnormal. He was so good last year. I do think those two things I brought up first are very big points. The other one as well is what... You know, there are two things also, three and four. So, you know, one's velocity, two is pinpoint accuracy, and there's a three and four. And maybe we should have think about these more, and we certainly talk about one and the other, but look, let's talk about this one. I think the pitch clock is number three. You know, Emmanuel Classe had a flow. He had a vibe last year. He hasn't had that. Now, maybe it's because of his – Velocity being down. I don't know. I mean, that that could be that and his pinpoint accuracy. Isn't that? But, you know, last year, maybe he had more of a pace than what we noticed. But with a little tweak like the pitch clock, I think it's I think it's tweaked him a little bit. Not a lot. Not like Karen Chack, who I, ugh, I think at times he's way off. The pitch clock's really throwing him off. I think it's just thrown him off just enough with Class A. I do think the pitch clock comes in play with him. I really do. I don't think it's an abnormal say, like, yeah, this hasn't been as good as we want. 
Pitch clock is effective, number three. And number four, we have a catcher issue. Mike Zanino's not a good defensive catcher. First inning again. No one on base, but ball hits glove. Shoulder length. Just, I mean, just above the shoulder. Ball goes to the backstop. I mean, that's becoming a regular thing. It's becoming a regular thing with Zanino. So does Classe feel as confident throwing the ball in the dirt? Probably not. You know, I think we've taken, you know, we had a series of catchers. Jan Gomes, Roberto Perez, Austin Hedges who were very, very good. Very, very good. Defensively. But they didn't swing the bat well. They didn't. They didn't have good bats. So maybe that played a part of something we took. We didn't We didn't really appreciate as fans. We need to appreciate defensive catching because right now we don't have the best defensive catching. In fact, we have pretty poor times. I mean, pretty flat out bad. And Classe is probably feeling that too. Do you want to throw a splitter into the ground? Probably not. Do you want to throw something into the dirt? Oh my gosh, well, who knows where it's going? Or sometimes too, where Classe, he has no problem going high. And right now, that just is not, that's just not what we're we're seeing. That's just not, um, it's just not what we're, you know, he, he can't, if you don't have confidence in your catcher, you're 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 going to start making select choices to do things that that are just a tick off. And I think the catchers played a part of it. I think it's number four. I really do. I definitely think that's a part of it. So you know, pinpoint accuracy, velocity's down, pitch clock, catcher issues. I think these have all played into why Class A is, is off. It isn't way off, it, and it, that's why I'm saying it's kind of fixable. But I think these things have contributed, and we, we need to talk about it because it was such an automatic. It's not automatic right now, and I don't. I get the feeling this is not going to be automatic all year. Ninth innings are going to be pacing, and we really were lucky last year. We didn't have to deal with it. Guardians fans, we're going to have to be dealing, we're going to be dealing with it this year. You can already get that vibe as a fan. I mean, it's biting, biting nails time. <laughs> I mean, it's just not, it's just not very comfortable. Back to the catcher situation. So that's Classe. Let's turn the page for a second. Zanino. Uh, I, I am. You, you try not to be too biting with players. You try not to be too definitive of players because. You know, it's like we're all human, so, you know, we can all change and, you know, we go through bad moments and very high moments. And it doesn't mean whether we're elite or greater, doesn't mean we're bad or terrible. But sometimes as, you know, sometimes as players, you go through the emotions of a season and you can seem like we're too high or too low. And I, so it's, I try not to be too biting. I try not to be like, oh, he's done. or oh, blah, 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 blah. But I have to declare, I think my Zanino is awful. <laughs> I'm not going to be soft pedaling here. I mean, he's had a really rough year behind the plate. And again, yes, today, first inning, ball here, golf ball goes to the backstop. I mean, that, that's that's where we're at. The, the, the Guardians had to figure out this catcher situation. You know, the obviously instant response is, do we bring up Bone Naylor? Well, maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe, 
Is that something that I really want to do? Uh, I don't know if I'm in love with that idea. I guess, okay. That's kind of where we're at, isn't it? It's kind of, this is kind of where we're at. But the Mike's and Nino situation, I don't think we need to see this too much more. He's just not there. And the, the runners on the base path are running wild. Just running wild. The Guardians, it's open season to take a base. And even the Angels, who don't run much, were running all over the place. They read the scouting manual, and they said, run, go. As soon as you're on, take off. And it's affecting games. It's it, it definitely in the Tiger series. You noticed it. I noticed it in the Yankee series in the Bronx. I noticed it a lot this weekend with the Angels. I mean, teams are running. It's set, run, set, go. I mean, boom, 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 boom. And the Guardians are going to have to figure out what to do with catcher. This is not an easy solution. I don't know. I just don't know what they do here as a team. I don't know what they do here outside of like you bring up Bo Naylor. I I would make a trade, but you cannot, you cannot keep believing in my Zanino. I just, sorry, I don't see it. I don't see that changing at all. And it's every game. I mean, every game, there's a pass ball or just a silly error. And Cam Gallagher is okay, but he looks like he's ungodly because of how bad Zanino is. Got to change. Got to change. Got to change. It's, oh, it's aggravating. You just want to pull your hair out. And it's nerve-wracking. You see a pitcher, you're like, Ooh. oh, God's and you know, yay, <laughs> he caught it. That's kind of where we're at. It's like, oh, yay, you made the play. I mean, that's where we're at. That's where we're at as fans. Not good enough. They've got to figure out the catcher situation. Not just with catching balls and strikes, but what to do on this base path because the runners are just running wild. They are running wild in the Guardians right now, and it is really affecting games. They played the Tigers before they played the Angels. One note on that: there's I can do many notes on it, but there's one big note. The Tigers are much better than they were in past years. They are not a threat to win anything big in the playoffs. But they are a threat to win games and take positioning over the Guardians if the Guardians aren't careful. The Tigers, for some reason, really play with an edge when they play Cleveland. I, I don't know why. Uh, maybe I mean, maybe it's a rivalry more than what I respect. I don't know. But, boy, the Tigers come after the Guardians hard. They really, really do. And so that puts a lot more pressure on the Guardians. I don't think those are, you know, as I can say, take out the garbage. I don't know if you're taking out the garbage against the Tigers. Tigers are pretty good. Very, very good club. So I think something to keep in mind with a team like the Tigers is we just have to be realistic of like, you know, winning two out of three, going six and six this year, you know, breaking 500. That's probably where we're at. And again, the Tigers are much better than they have been in the past. AJ Hench has done a really good job over there. And the other good thing is they get on base and boy, they, they run around. They are a young team that flies around the bases. And Javi Baez, since he's been benched, is playing much better. Much better. They're a much better ball club than what I was expecting this year. Much better ball club. Far better. So that those are all good things. Those are all good things. 
So what does this mean? And, what, and why I'm saying that is, you know, the, the Tigers are going to take games. It, it feels like the Guardians haven't gone off to a first start. We're at the quarter pole. Guardians are officially there. They're at the quarter pole. Good news. Last year at this time, they're 18 and 22. This year, they're 19 and 21. They're actually a game better. Being that through all this, and it's been a lot this year at times, the Guardians are actually one game better than they were last year. Everything in a way is okay. Biggest difference is that I'm seeing, and the reason why I have caution, the schedule, which in the past has been a lot easier moving forward, this year is not going to be as easy. They don't play the Royals as much or the White Sox as much, and the Tigers are much better. So that's the realistic viewpoint I have. And at some point, this bullpen is going to have to be better than what they are. The defense, which has been elite last year, has been good this year. It's got to be elite. Got to make plays like they did today with J. Ram tagging on Otani. That's the kind of stuff we need every day. Hasn't been that tight this year. All that to be said, I don't think the Guardians have put together a good stretch. I did feel that way last year at this time. And here they are at 19 and 21. Pretty good for all the average and below average and frustrating and hair pullings and Eno moments we've had. And there's been some hair pullings and Eno moments. Did I mention that? But that's where we're at with this team. And that's who the Guardians are. I think they're an average club right now. Hopefully they can string this and excel this as they finally play the White Sox. And White Sox are terrible. They should really take advantage of that. Take out the garbage. Great job by Naylor lifting the club. Great job by Tanner Bybee. J-Ram, what a surprise. Great defensive play. Finally got the series they're needing, beating a very good Angels club, two out of three. That's your Cleveland Guardians. We come back, Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. If you, again, love instantaneous, all-day news and Instant analysis as soon as the final out is thrown later in the fall when the final gun sounds, when the Browns win 17 games. Or just make the playoffs. We'll take either one. But 17 games. <laughs> Heck, we just signed Zadarius Smith. Are we going to the Super Bowl? Check it out at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. That's at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Check out BelieveInTheLand.com. It's part of the Believe in the Man, Believe in the Land media company. We do artificial Cleveland Sports. We do things on YouTube. Check out Believe in the Land. All of it. So much fun. Check it out. All done by thoughtful people like myself, Todd Hall, and many other people. Little minions running around doing things. It's called BelieveInTheLand.com. Check it out. I think you will really enjoy it. I watch every game. I pay attention to every game. I give thoughtful insight. Hopefully you feel the same. Check it out. One more time, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. What a glorious, glorious day. One of my favorite days of the year. And then the Brown schedule comes out. And oh my gosh. Usually when that happens, I've gotten that excited about the schedule release like some do about the draft. I don't get excited about the draft as much as others do. But I do get excited about the schedule release. And we're going to get to that. But can you imagine the Browns? actually trumped their own excitement by doing something that they needed to do. Happened late on Friday. They traded 
for pro bowler, defensive ed rusher from the Minnesota Vikings, Darius Smith. They also sent a fifth round pick to the Vikings. And they also sent another draft pick to the Vikings and the Browns got back a sixth and a seventh. They got two. I, I'm the Vikings got received two fifth round picks in 2024 and 2025. And the Browns get a six and seventh in 2025 for Zadarius Smith. The reason why the Vikings traded Zadarius Smith, they needed a huge cap relief um, break. And so they got that. They get that now. And this was a much needed thing. The line I've complained and complained and complained. Well, I got to be fair now. I can't complain anymore. With Ogbu, with Tomlinson, and now it's Darius Smith. They drafted that kid, Ika, out of Baylor. I'm very, very satisfied with what they did. I can't get upset anymore. These Zadarius Smith is a heavy hitter. He is a big-time player. He has a chance to be hopefully what we have with Davian Clowney the year before. He went AWOL. He is that good. He is that good of a player. Finally got some real defensive edge and good for the Browns and maybe – you know, behind the scenes, good for Jim Schwartz because someone had to throw their hands up in there and say, you know, are we really doing this? I mean, now now, the defensive line feels complete. Now I feel a lot better about how they're going to get defensive edge rush. Now I feel like the Browns are on their way to big things. This is what we needed as fans. Kudos to the Browns for getting ahead of something where I was going to camp feeling, boy, they were probably defensive end short. Now that they fill in it with a gap with a guy who's a veteran, a veteran who can make a big, instant, big-time impact. I mean, winning ball player. This is a big move, as you can tell by my excitement. I, this, this changes everything. I actually got to take a step back now. I mean, I've been – look, I've been very critical about the Browns. I've been probably more harder than anyone. Um, I just don't – I'm not dreamy like everybody else is. Uh, I, I still think there's a lot of questions. I want to see this play out. Like, I'm still hesitant. I, I'm i just not going to – I guess I'm very much embracing for, like, I don't want to get fooled again. And I don't want to um, – I don't want to be the fool. And so I want to see the Browns played out. I think it's fair. I think it's a fair request. And I and I just want to see them prove that they're not just making moves for analytics. I want to see wins on the field. I want to see wins. I'm not here for certain things. I really do want to see things take off in a big, big manner where we're going to playoff games, we're making movement, and we're making things happen in the city to get people excited. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to go, all right, we, well, we got, we're got we really fast on certain positions. And, oh, my gosh, we have the best fantasy football player ever. No, I'm here to win games. Here to win games. So Darius Smith really made me jump. When I saw that, I go, well, now I think they're actually being serious. The Browns are actually trying to win games at a big level because the defensive line wasn't good enough. And we all kind of knew it. We all kind of sat there and held our breath on what the Browns are going to do. But now after something like this, now I'm starting to believe like, okay, they're they're feeling the way I was before we were going to go into training camp. Like, 
Is this it? Boy, it feels really weak of what we're going to do. So Darius Smith really brings an attitude change for me. I think it's going to bring an attitude change to a lot of people. I think it's going to get people to believe me again of, you know, maybe the Browns are really here to not just present themselves as hope, but they're actually trying to make, this is a making the move to win. And I like that. By the way, Jadavian Clowney was too from two years ago. So it isn't like this is too, so brand new. And that's why I'm not declaring big things and I'm not here to wave the pom-poms and let's light off the fireworks. No, 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 no. We, we still have some things here really to do. And I, they have some things to prove. But I'll say this. I'm not naive. This move moves the needle of hope into maybe this will happen. And that for me is a big step. I wasn't there before this. I really wasn't. I was like, okay, I mean, they did some things and Deshaun Watson should be better and he's our big hope, but I don't know. I'm like, I really, I don't know. I'm really excited. Now I'm excited. This move, it's like I'm buying into change because the Browns last year had a, outside Miles Garrett had a terrible defensive line. And they finally made a move to make a big adjustment. They had to. And they did. And it, as a Darius Smith, it just changes everything. And to me, it changes everything. That's how big it is. It's not a minor thing. This is not a throw-in. Again, this isn't like a veteran who he's going to do something. No, no, this is a big-time thing. This is a big-time thing. Huge thing. And I'm very excited about this move, as you can tell, as we all should be. Now, the other big thing that happened was the schedule. And you're going to hear all sorts of opinions. And there's a lot of people who are ready to jump off the bridge because the schedule is too tough at the beginning. That's a big thing. Schedule's too tough. There's too many home games. Oh, boy. I mean, people, I was kind of surprised. I'm like, geez, people are that fearful. I actually, uh, I think the Browns have gotten breaks in their schedule lately. So, to me, it's like, well, you have to have the other end at some point. You have to have the natural of, um, you know, things aren't going to be as easy and loosey-goosey. I think the Browns have had loosey-goosey schedules. I really do. And they've blown it. They've <laughs> They flat out blown it. In fact, the year I thought they had a very tough schedule, they went to the playoffs, and that was COVID year. Uh, that schedule is challenging. But this schedule has freaked some people out who I really trust and I really believe in. Listen to four, like, all right, this is what I think. And, boy, they're ready to jump off the cliff. Playing the Bengals at home on Monday Night Football the following week. Titans, who always... You know, Titans and Browns, we've seen both ways. The Browns won last time with Baker Mayfield in Tennessee. Baltimore at home. I mean, that's three division games before week five. And by the way, week five is a bye. And then you got the Niners at home. Not easy. Defending, you know, defending West champion. Played in the NFC Championship game last year. Still don't know who their quarterback is, but okay. I guess we'll forget that. And then, by the way, they're very talented, so you can't take it lightly. But okay, so you got the Bengals at Steelers, Titans, Ravens, bye week, San Francisco at home, and that's gotten everybody 
into a fury. I mean, everyone is riled up. Like, what are we going to do? And oh my gosh, I just can't understand how the Browns are going to survive this. So I'm here to bring some hope and some calm to the situation. I actually think everything being the way it is is actually not a bad thing for the Browns. I like when the schedule is hard to begin the season. So that way in the middle, maybe it eases up or at the end it eases up. Last two years has been hard finish. I mean, last year's ending, hard finish. Year before that, hard finish. This year, I mean, Texans, Bears, I mean, does anybody get scared about that? No. At the at home, at home against the Jets, not easy. That's a playoff-type game, okay? In the year of Cincinnati, not easy, but at least it's not impossible. Last two or three years, it felt like it was like a land landmines. It really doesn't feel that way. I actually don't think this schedule is that bad. The Browns have a stretch where they don't leave this Cleveland, Ohio for an entire month. Let me say that again. With the bye week included, the Browns don't live don't leave the city of Cleveland for one entire month, from week three through week six. They are home in one bye week. One bye week. That's a big advantage. Now they don't get some easy cupcakes, and the NFL didn't do them any favors by putting Baltimore and San Francisco at home. But take advantage of your schedule. Take advantage of your schedule. I think the Browns, I don't mind the schedule. I'm not freaking out. Now, it's not easy. I know the schedule makers say that and pronosticators will tell you. But I think this is an okay schedule. It's, it's not bad. It's not terrible. It's not good. I think it's okay. They have they have a trips in there that I think starting after Thanksgiving, that's not, doesn't thrill me. But then they get to a December, you know, through most, that doesn't scare me either, but it's like, okay, what scares me the most? Week 12 at Denver. Then staying out there and playing the LA Rams and at home against Jacksonville. Those three games to me are very tough. I, I can see the Browns losing all three. They never play well in Denver. Staying on the West Coast to play LA is not easy. I mean, it, people make that light. That's not like, oh, hey, you just stay on LA. We throw out the balls and yay. No, I mean, it's not easy. Going to be complicated. That to be said, like that's their toughest stretch to me. But on the one hand, there's two, there's two or three other things that are very crucial in this schedule that's going to make or break the Browns making the playoffs. And yes, it's sadly week one. They're going to have to beat the Bengals at home. And let me repeat that. They're going to have to win week one at home. Nope. <laughs> Not an easy thing. That's how big that game is. Because if the Browns aren't careful and they happen to lose Cincinnati, which we all know, very possible. I think they'll be on twos. I don't see how they're ever going to win on Monday Night Football against Pittsburgh. On I'm sorry. You can tell me up and down. I even know in my heart of hearts that uh, the Browns are the better team. They will never win that game in Pittsburgh. No way. No way. No way. So I think beating Cincinnati is very big. But in case that doesn't happen, Browns must go 3-2. and two. I think realistically they can be 4-1 and one after this. I know people are going to be like, whoa, Andy, you're great. No, no. 
Beat Cincinnati, yes. They're going to lose. I, again, you can't tell me otherwise. They will not beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Sorry. Prove me wrong. I'll eat my words. Would love to do that. Tennessee at home, I think they'll win. Tennessee has not got no quarterback. Baltimore, they always seem to play lately better. Baltimore at home. So I'll stay on that trend. And that's not just Browns uh, colored glasses here. I mean, they do better at home lately against Baltimore. So I think they'll beat them. The fighting buys and they play San Francisco. I like them against San Francisco. Why? San Francisco, San Francisco doesn't have a quarterback. And they are relying on past success. That's not NFL, you really can't do that. I, the, the Niners, to me, have more questions than answers. I, I know they are a wonderful organization. I know they've proven a large amount of victories in recent time. I, I'm not naive here at all. Not. But the Niners don't, I mean, who's their quarterback? Purdy is coming off major arm surgery. Lance, no one seems to believe in anymore. And Grapple's gone. That's a big question mark heading into that game. Then after that, they play at the Colts and at then at Seattle. Not easy. Now that's a tricky game, too. At Seattle, at Pittsburgh, up and down. You can tell me I don't ever see them winning those games. But I see them beating the Colts in Indy. Yeah, I do. And they got to take care of the garbage against the Arizona Cardinals at home. Oh, yeah. By far the easiest game at home. By far. But they play in nine weeks, eight games, and I think six and two is not crazy. Five and three, realistic. Meaning they, they trip up against one of those teams I just mentioned. I thought they were going to win. And then after that, you know, they go through a pretty tough stretch. At Baltimore, home against Pittsburgh. They should be Pittsburgh at home. I don't see them winning at Baltimore. Again, and then this is their tough three-game stretch where they play at at Denver, at L.A., home against Jacksonville. Home against the Bears, you better win. At Houston, no way they lose. No way they lose. And then I think the game of the year, that's not a division game. Every division game is important, as we all know. But the game of the year will be the home game against the Jets. That game, to me, is the make-or-break game. They will have to make the playoffs one way or the other. I think that will determine a lot. I think that's I think that's the game. I really do. The Cincinnati game, uh, again, when expect them to win. But to me, it all comes down to the 24th against the Jets. That's how big that game is. I see the Browns going 10 and 7. I had that before Zadarius Smith. I guess I I shouldn't change. Do they make the playoffs? My mind has been put on pause because of Zadarius Smith. Pre-Zadarius Smith, no. That's how much the Zadarius Smith trade means to me. I think they're a fringe playoff team. They may need to go 11-6 here. But I definitely see a 10-17. Don't freak out about the early games in the schedule. And Zadarius Smith coming to Cleveland is a huge thing. Josh Naylor woke, woke up the echoes. Class A, we're concerned, but I think he'll figure it out. Bybee with a big win this week. Turning around series wins against the Angels. Huge this week for our Cleveland Guardians. Schedule comes out for the Browns. Zadarius Smith is our new defensive end. That's exciting. And the Cavs are taking a nap. And that was the week that was in Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. Thank you for listening. 
We'll be back here again next week for more. Again, for anything you like, if you like thoughtful analysis after every game for any of the three teams and Buckeyes football, go to believeintheland.com. Go to believeintheland.com at official Cleveland sports. Also believe in the land on YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening.